This season was funded by those amazing people who support us on Patreon. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing. Hello and welcome to Cancelled Movie Report, the documentary podcast series that talks about the best movies that Hollywood never made. My name is Michael Campbell, but you can call me Cambo. And joining me, as always, is actor and comedian, Mr. Aiden Porter. Thank you very much for having me, Cambo. Now, this is the second film we're talking about in the new series. And you know what? Let's bring in a guest, I think. I think that's a great idea. But I have very high standards. Oh, and I have a oh. checklist. Well, okay, here we go. What is, what's on your checklist, Cambo? This is a video game adaption. Okay. I want someone that knows video games. I want someone whose online persona is predominantly video games. Okay. But we're also talking about a Hollywood movie. So I want someone with like media experience, maybe TV presentation experience. And I want them to be fun and friendly and have been on this show before. So good luck. Well, Cambo, talk about tick, tick, tick. What? Yes, that is right. I've got a special guest for you today that ticks all your boxes. Let's bring her in now. It's Stephanie Mendixon. You might know her as Hex. What's up? Hey. <laughs> Thank you so, so much, much for, for joining us. I Obviously, being a big video game person, and I, I know that you're actually an Uncharted fan, uh, we should get it out of the way first. What did you think of the movie that we did get with Uncharted? I thought it was fine. I don't think it was like amazing. I don't think it was terrible. I thought it was just fine. I think the weirdest thing about it was it almost, it felt like a callback to a genre of film that we don't really get anymore. That kind mm. of classic you know, action adventure thing. Swashbuckling I think we, sort of. Yeah. yeah. We even had a, like a kind of a, a parody of, of that genre with that Sandra Bullock Channing Tatum movie yeah. recently, you know. So I, fe- I feel like that's kind of what felt a bit strange about it. It just felt like a film that was of another time, um, but with really, you know, current actors. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, I, I, en- I enjoyed it, but I, I enjoyed the games. One more. <laughs> I guess then that, that, that is the bar. It's probably at level two. That this other adaption, we're going to talk about the failed adaption by David O. Russell has to clear. Without any further ado, let's launch into David O. Russell's Uncharted. A lot of films go through developmental hell. They bounce around, unable to find that perfect combination of talent, money and passion to actually get them off the ground. Well, today we're going to be talking about a film that took a mere 14 years to make to the big screen. A film that ended up having five different release dates, 2016, 2017, 2020... 2021 and 2022. Today we're on to the original script of Uncharted, Drake's Fortune, written and directed by David O. Russell. Now, this script is very, very early, early draft script. Um, it's relatively faithful to the game, actually. Um, a very different to what we actually ended up getting yeah. at the end of the day. Um, and apparently this script changed a lot as David got more involved. He wanted to sort of start tweaking things. Well, a quick question for you, Steph. Are you familiar with the work of David O. Russell? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> We've already done our research, but famously, um, an auteur, an auteur. So I Heart Huckabee's yes. was probably one of his uh, early films yes. that he's best known for. Naomi, Naomi Watts. Yes, that was a weird movie. It's very weird. weird. Movie is a very key thing for David O. Russell. Um, so then it's also Three Kings. Yeah. Um, The Fighter, Silver Lining Playbook, American Hustle, Joy. All the, it's a very interesting yes. mix of films when you think of think about what Uncharted is. Also, uh, a little administrative thing here. People appreciated this when we did it in our At the Mountains of Madness uh, episode in regards to H.P. Lovecraft. 
I just want to say David Russell, absolute fucking dog of a bloke. <laughs> so, <laughs> Apparently. Let's let's not take this as our endorsement of David Russell, just ah. our interest in the project. Correct. Yeah. Correct. yeah. There's there's quite a few leaked videos on YouTube of him yelling at actors. There's a famous <laughs> one from I Heart Huckabees yes. where he went absolutely berserk at someone. It's uh, Lily Tomlin of all people. Oh. Lovely Lily Tomlin. You don't you don't yell at Lily. No. <laughs> Why would you? So David, he's come straight off the back of the fighter for this project. So not surprisingly, he tapped Mark Wahlberg for the role of Nathan Drake. Yes. Yes. So originally Marky Mark was Nathan Drake. And he's worked with Mark quite a few times. I Heart Huckabee's yes, Fighter, well. uh, Three Kings. He's worked with Mark a lot. So he likes him. Now, other casting choices, I'm just going to put that out there that were thrown around. Uh, Oscar Isaacs, um, Jamie Doran, Chris, uh, Christian Grey, um, Aaron Taylor Johnson was was thought about, and Chris Hemsworth and, of course, Chris Pratt because he was up for everything at all times. Yeah. Um, so some interesting choices there. No Nathan Fillion, which no. I think was the fan's choice. So the there is a video, and, in fact, maybe we'll post it on our social Mm. Of David O. Russell outside of a, a theatre and a fan of Uncharted comes up to him and he says, you need to cast Nathan Fillion as Nathan Drake. And David O. Russell says, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if he ever stood a chance. No, no maybe yeah. not. Maybe not. Yeah. Um, now, uh, the other casting choices that were thrown out there are also really interesting. So Sully, they really, David really wanted Robert De Niro to yeah. play Sully. I can, I can see that. I could see that. Robert De Niro. Yeah. A constant collaborator of David O. Russell. Mm. Uh, he is in the, um, uh, Silver Lang's Playbook. He was in Amsterdam just recently. Yep. So Robert De Niro as a David O. Russell confidant makes a lot of sense. And then he also threw out there Joe Pesci as an unknown <laughs> uncle character um, that we, we don't know what that would have gone. So now yeah. we're sort of getting a Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, like mobster sort of vibe yeah. from this casting. So I don't know I don't know where that's, where that's going. Um, and then for um, Elena... Scarlett Johansson. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I I think he just went blonde woman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think um I think Scarlett Johansson is um is great, but I feel like Elena has more of a um I don't know. I think she has more of a adventurous every woman vibe, and Scarlett's very she's quite s- sort of sultry and glam in a lot of ways. Mm. Mm, she's not throwing herself around. Yeah, making herself look dirty. But this would have been, I believe this script is dated from 2010. 10, correct. Uh, so this is before Avengers. Yeah. So she wasn't known as like a big action hero yet. That's true, I guess. Yeah. Mark actually had a bit of a quote. They talked to Marky Mark about it and he said, um, I'm obviously in for whatever David wants to do, but the idea of it is so off the charts. Robert De Niro playing my father, Joe Pesci being my uncle. It's not going to be watered down. That's for sure. So Mark was excited for some of these casting choices. He thought it was going in a bit of a different direction. Um, But Robert De Niro, I think he could have been a really interesting Sully. Yeah. But we thought, we wondered sort of what the original voice actor, Richard McGonagall, the original voice of Sully, what he would have thought about uh, Robert De Niro playing the character. That's right. We had the opportunity to ask Richard McGonagall one question, (laughs) so we wasted that to ask him (laughs) what he thinks of Robert De Niro playing Sully. Michael Campbell, Richard McGonagall here, a.k.a. Victor Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully, from the Uncharted series. You wanted my take on if I thought Robert De Niro could have played Sully. Well, uh... From what I understand, at one point, the offer was out to Robert De Niro to play Sully. I'm not sure what happened. That's uh, That stuff is way beyond my pay grade. I had nothing to do with it. If I had something to do with it, I would have played Sully. 
Okay, I'll stop there. So that's my take. Hope it helps. We'll see. There we go. Oh, man. Very insightful. I, I could listen to him read a shopping list, honestly. Like, <laughs> what a voice. So good. <laughs> also, <laughs> I find it's the tiniest bit threatening. He goes, hope it helps. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. He leaves it hanging there, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Don't know what that means, but uh, I don't feel comfortable with it. <laughs> okay. So we've got the cast there. Well, first of all, Steph, what do you think of Mark Wahlberg as Nathan Drake? Yeah. I mean, I was never, I was never on board with Mark Wahlberg being in the film at all i think i went from like really anti him at the start of the film um to like like i warmed to him towards the end i feel like Mm. i didn't recognize him as sully at the start and at the end i could kind of see it i could see that he was evolving into this character that we knew and recognized but i've never really felt like he was the right choice do you think mm. he works better as Nathan Drake, like he was originally cast in like 2010, or Sully as he was cast? I think he's miscast as both. Yeah. But which do you think he suits better with his weird, confused Boston personality? Yeah, I definitely think he makes for a better Sully than a Nathan Drake. I don't okay. think I don't think I ever could have seen him as a as a Nathan Drake. Um, well, you will at some well, point in this episode. Here we go. Let's. Uh, I think. Um. I think. We've got all the casting out of the way. Um, we know about, a bit about the director. Let's actually get on to the film itself. Let's have a chat now about the David O. Russell Uncharted Drake's Fortune. British flagship The Defiance, 3,000 miles west of Chile, South Pacific Ocean. March 13th, 1597. We meet Sir Francis Drake. He looks down at an indecipherable hand-drawn sea map held down by cannonballs. In fact, beyond intricate, it's more incomprehensible. Lines and dots and arrows go to and fro without really making much sense. The Defiance emerges from the thick fog into a wide lagoon, surrounded partially by broken Spanish port city. Up ahead, a half-sunken galleon. Sir Francis and his first mate stand on the ruined ship's deck, carefully examining her wreckage. From looking at the cannon holes, they realise that they shatter outwards, not in. They sunk their own ship. Sir Francis and his men creep through the knee-high water, guns drawn. The cavernous space is pockmarked with bloodstains and powder blasts. Suddenly, a dark form leaps out, rips through the sea hand. There's a, a fury of tearing sounds. We heard the sound of gunfire as we pull up from the sunken galleon to reveal the entire lagoon is actually an entire fleet of Spanish ships all sunk beneath the surface. And now, Steph, you might be my barometer because I haven't played the Uncharted games. So does that sound to you like the beginning of an Uncharted story? Yeah, for sure. It's been a long time since I've played the first one. And I think it was the opening of Uncharted 2 that was like the banger that really kind of sold everyone in the series. Um, But yeah, for sure. I think that... You know, it, it kind of draws people in. It sets the stage. It it gives you that you sense mystery. of adventure. Yeah, a bit of mystery. A bit of mystery there. Sure. What's going on? Someone's yeah. being attacked. Right. Every now and again, I might turn to you and go, is that from the game? <laughs> <laughs> and you'll have to be my barometer, I think. Cut to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Favela. Today. So we're now in interior of a bar. It's sort of a, a weather dilapidated wooden structure hanging out over a cliff. 
Um, this bar is populated by rough patrons nursing drinks and playing dominoes. In a corner, we find Nathan Drake, described here as a 30-something sort of grungy T-shirt. And they, <laughs> this is what they say. This is the uh, stage direction. He's no easy mark. Got the supreme confidence of a man who's figured all the angles and the eyes of a guy who's seen it all. That's pretty pretty good description. I'd love that as a director's note, being like, Mark, what I want from you is the eyes of a man that's seen it, it all. <laughs> Your and- eyes haven't seen enough, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, Mark Wahlberg's too always confused for that. You know yeah, he's I mean? not. Like, he does. It doesn't strike me as someone that always yeah, has a he's plan. Always like, hey, what's going on? What what's happening over here? You know, like. <laughs> yeah, I feel like. Um. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, not to um, not not to diss Mark Wahlberg too much, but I uh, go for it. I feel like yeah, Nate Nate has a kind of a real sharpness to him. You know that he he's like like razor sharp. You know, he's super super witty. He's got uh, he's super reactive. Everything mm. about him, you feel like he could almost, you know. Catch a bullet in midair if if he was um, if he was paying attention. He just finds himself in um, awkward situations socially, I think, and <laughs> you know for comedic value. But for the most part, you know he kind of seems like the kind of guy who just finds his way through everything. And I feel like Mark Wahlberg doesn't capture that charisma in the same mm. way. I don't know. So we've got Nathan sitting down, and sitting across from him on the other side of the table is Navarro mm-hmm. with two thugs flanking him. Navarro has a knife scar on his left cheek and a scowl to match. Classic. Villain. Classic, Classic villain. Classic villain. We all know that. Navarro pulls a map case. He gingerly unfurls the map on the crude wooden table. It's a sailing map, hand-drawn, unique. We recognise it as the same one from the opening scene that Sir Francis had. Sort of got those weird marks on it. Nate pours over the map, his eyes filled with excitement. He's confirmed it's real. He had expected Navarro to try and sell him a fake. Nate leans down closer to the map, inspecting it closely. And when he does, a narrow rawhide cord around his neck spills out from his under his shirt. And in that cord, an old silver ring. Navarro's eyes go right to it, mesmerised. Navarro raises a finger. His thugs draw their pistols. Nate straightens up, cash in hand, only to be staring Whoa. down three gun barrels. Now we get into a big action scene. So Nate slips into action. He goes under the table, kicks it out from under them. A huge shootout starts in the middle of this tiny bar. The map flies out onto a ceiling fan and gets sort of blown around at the top of the thing. Um, Nate jumps jumps for it and it gets blown out the window. So as the gunfire is following him, Nate actually leaps out the window. Um, Nate's now got the map hanging in his teeth and he's hanging on for dear life. They know that he's underneath, so Navarro starts shooting the floor of the bar. Um, and basically this just takes out the structure. <laughs> now the bar starts moaning and teetering until it snaps off its moorings and it starts sliding down the hillside. So we've got this really cool scene now where they're having they end up having this big fist fight inside a bar as it's sliding down a hillside of Brazil in That's the favelas. Cool. It sounds really cool. Yeah. What do you think of that for a sort of an opening bit of bit of fun action? Yeah, I mean it I I'm it doesn't surprise me. It feels like it it, it feels like the action of the time. I feel like we got yeah. moments akin to that in the in the film that we did end up seeing, um, yeah. you know, kind of ridiculous comedic action moments so, that are that are too crazy to be believed, but super impressive. On, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, super yeah. impressive on screen. And so we need, and now we need a little bit of comedy now, Cambo. So we we cut to a, a beautiful lagoon pool, um, complete with waterfall, bikini models posed around, 
Um, they're sort of at this big resort. I hope nothing interrupts this. Oh, no, no. <laughs> what could happen? Uh, in front of the cameras, a polished SUV and Elena Fisher, late 20s journalist. She's using her phone between takes, hating her current assignment covering swimsuit models. And then, of course, this idyllic scene smashed. We have this, the remains of this entire bar crashed into this lagoon area. It models screaming. Everything's flying out. <laughs> Nate, Nate, of course, bursts out of the water. Still got the map in his mouth. Uh, Nathan goes up to Elena. He says, afternoon. Sorry. Sorry emergency. emergency. He grabs the phone out of her hand, jumps into the Escalade, quickly hotwires it, and makes his escape while on the phone. We hear him tell Sally that he has the map and he needs to be picked up. So pretty fun, pretty fun yeah, little, little. That's pretty fun. Yeah, it, I know. That's like that's a cool meeting for um, you know him and Elena. I think at the start. Too. Yeah, I think it's really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. pulse check. Is that in the game? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get we get to we get to their game meeting in a second. Okay. Um, Nate heads down to the dock and he pulls up and he jumps out to make his way to a dive trawler anchored at the far end of the dock. Suddenly, it explodes. There's a lot of things exploding randomly in this film. Then we cut to night time. Malcolm, a young Jamaican man, is sort of cleaning up the dock area after everything's blown up. He opens a small supply closet and there inside, like a drowned rat, is Nate just hiding out. Malcolm shakes his head. He's like, well, mate, what are you doing? I'm not going to do a Jamaican accent. <laughs> I reckon he goes, mate, <laughs> yeah, mate, mate, what, what are, are you doing? doing? Um, at Malcolm, I need a boat. Malcolm, he doesn't want to get involved. He said there's only one other dive trawler in the bay. And wow. some lady with a film crew hired it. Nate smiles. So now we cut to the resort restaurant. Elena is in a corner. Nate then suddenly appears and he slides her phone back to her. Thanks for loaning me your phone. Oh, your car's down by the dock. Not anymore. The police said someone left it unlocked with the engine running. It's probably entering Paraguay by now. Serena. The big auto theft ring operates out of Serena. Hmm. And you're the man who knows such things. I'm the man who knows such things. Your drinks, sir. Mojito. You know what I drink? Do I? All right. You've made your approach. You've bought me a drink. Now would be when you tell me a story. Oh, I know. Tell the one where the men with machine guns try and murder you. Sorry, most of that's confidential. Of course. I'll just be too intrigued and have to pursue you for the information. And oh, so slowly I'll pry it out of you, despite great reluctance. Because for some reason, maybe it's the moon. Maybe the drinks, but tonight you find me irresistible. Nate, mysterious stranger. Elena, intrigued reporter. Can I ask you a question? I was hoping you would. What do you want with my boat? Your, your boat? Um, I mean, a dive trawler blew up right near where you left the Escalade and those men with machine guns were crawling all over the docks. Did I make an incorrect assumption that you might be looking for a replacement boat? Oh, you're good. You're very good. Thank you. I'm aware. So, we've established I've got a boat. 
When is it you're prepared to pony up for barter? And please realize that your charm and the pleasure of your company, while very nice, I'm sure, are not what I'm in the market for. You seem like the kind of woman who doesn't go to the bathroom without a plan. I'm guessing this conversation would have ended before you Mahito arrived if you didn't know exactly what you want from me. Everybody wants something from everybody, right? I'm a reporter. You're a guy being chased by men with machine guns. What do you think I want? Cut to later. Several dishes laid partially touched. A wine bottle, three quarters empty. 16, he had made his first transatlantic voyage. By 20, he had robbed the fabled silver train. And by 26, he had raided half the strongholds of the Spanish main. Sir Francis Drake was England's greatest mariner and probably the best treasure hunter the world has ever known. And then, right at the height of his fame and power, he dies. Suddenly, he's quickly buried at sea in a hidden location off the coast of Panama. Why? Why not the noble funeral back in England he earned? And what about his fortune, only a fraction of which has ever been accounted for? Finding his coffin is the key to one of the greatest historical mysteries. And I know where it is. Is it a map? There are no words on it. Exactly. No wind rose showing which way is north, no location names, no legend, and no key. Drake encrypted his map so they were useless to anyone but himself. So then, how do you read it? The Drakery. This is what started me down this road. Drake once called it the key to the adventure of his life. Sick Parvis Magna? I don't understand. Greatness comes from small beginnings. The Drake family motto. That's not the most interesting marking. Just watch. Words do not do this justice. Nate takes a candle from the table and moves it to the edge of the map, where sure enough, a candle symbol exists. He takes the ring, finding the small symbol of an eye. He rolls it across the map until he finds the same symbol, the eye. As the candle light flickers through the hoops of the ring, the map changes. The lines of light shape words. The names of different coastlines appear. The final two lines of the light crosses each other in the middle of the sea, NX. So, what now? How exactly does treasure hunting work? Is it legal to pull up 300-year-old coffins? Shouldn't you be telling some museum or maybe the English government? Those thieves? <laughs> I do my best to steer clear of them. And the big guys with the guns? They thieves too? What makes you the good guy in all this? Why should I trust you? They're no good guys or bad guys. They're only lines and the men who cross them. What is this? Contract. Granting you total and exclusive access to the greatest treasure hunt in modern times. Nathan, drink. Why do you think he's been an obsession of mine? Come on. Let's go dig up Grandpa. <laughs> okay, there so this go. is how they properly beat. Yes, correct. Okay. Yes, yes. What What are your thoughts on Marky Mark as Nathan? 
Um, he, what a great sound alike. He sounds so much <laughs> like him. Well, yeah. what a find. You've got to give a shout out. That's yep. Cameron Logsdon. Oh. Uh, he's done many voices for us. I don't know how he does it. That's, it's very good. incredible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think he does a great Marky Mark. I just don't think Marky Mark does a great Nathan Drake. <laughs> <laughs> I love that uh, every time he gets indignant, the, the, the Boston comes out of him. Yeah. Really <laughs> comes out hard. Yeah. Love it. Love it. I also think that Scarlett Johansson's style voice for Elena makes her so like like sultry and like kind of It's too sultry. It's too sultry. It, it, it's yeah. too it's sultry. It's very sexy. Like she's got a very sexy voice. And it just it seems like in that first scene she is just flirting a storm with him. Yeah. It, I think it needs to be a bit more direct, a bit more up and about. Yeah, I don't she know. do that, mate. It's too sexy. <laughs> she's too she's, sexy. She, totally. And I feel like because she's meant to be, she's kind of meant to be like the brains and the logic, you know, between mm. them, whereas he kind of, you know, f- is impulsive and, and and makes decisions, you know, without really thinking them through and, and, and that kind of thing. And then Chloe comes in later on in the series as, mm. as the sort of more sultry character who's a little bit more willing to, you know, put on different guises to get what she wants. So for me, Elena kind of needs to be sort of straight down the line, quite straight talking mm. and and um, and excited for, you know, the possibility of adventure, but always with the one, you know, both feet firmly planted on the ground. Great. Yes, very good. Well, now we're in the, dry, the dive trawler in the perfect blue sea. Elena enters the seemingly empty cabin. Um, she sees Nathan in a transparent glass in the shower, lathering his hair. Um, so she takes this opportunity to sort of look through some... She's a reporter, after all. So she looks through his stuff, goes through his duffel bag, finds a whole bunch of photos. Um, a young Nathan with a distinguished woman, must be his mum. Uh, a teenage Nate with an older man, who we will learn is Sully, uh, holding up a barnacle and crusted cross. Off uh, above the, the, the ship now, we get the crane as it dangles below cables uh, and sort of starts pulling something up. Nate and Elena wearing wetsuits and scuba equipment. Nate is pulling the crane's cables towards him and an iron casket of Sir Francis Drake sort of comes on board. So they've got the, yeah. they've got the coffin at this point. Um, and this is straight out of the game. This is exactly the scene from the game when they're getting this out. Um, uh, Elena is filming everything with her camera. And she's saying, this is the coffin of Sir Francis Drake, pirate, explorer and adventurer, lost for centuries, now found by his only descendant, Nathan Drake. So she's really playing into that Drake Drake on Drake action. <laughs> um, Drake, he jams a crowbar in and he sort of pops it open. Sure enough, there's no body in there. But there is something inside, wrapped in an oil skin. Um, beneath it, he finds a small leather-bound journal. I love an empty coffin with a clue. It's a, cl- it's, cr- it's great. It's a classic. Great clue. Classic, classic gotcha. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, it's got the coat of arms on the cover of it. His eyes brighten. He was right. This is the answer to what happened to France, Sir Francis and the 15 ships under his command. Elena grabs Nate and turns him. He does... She does that thing oh, where, yeah. you know, where you the move Jurassic someone's Park. head? Yeah, the, yeah. yeah oh, Ellie Sattler. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. And she turns his head. And does he sh- take his glasses off, like, trembling? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, there is uh, a giant dinosaur coming to it. No, not quite. Um, no, sure enough, there is five speedboats uh, closing in on them. Nate ignores her and goes for one of his equipment boxes. He flips it open, revealing his two chrome pistols, uh, the uh, 45s, which he always has. That's his signature gun? Yeah, correct. Um, He stuffs extra magazines into the pockets, and then all hell breaks loose. There's gunfire. So we've got another cool um, uh, fight scene with the speedboat sort of shooting around and him diving between stuff. 
Yes. Um, the gunfire stops. The speed bolts form a big circle around the trawler. A familiar voice calls out to Nate. Nate's face oh. drops. Eddie Raja, how the hell are you? Me? I'm good. Right now, top of the world. You're not still upset about that little thing back in Jakarta. What thing? Sleeping with my sister? No, the other thing. It's not what it sounds like. Cheating me in that poker game? No, the other thing. Oh, you must mean stealing the Jade Empress and screwing me out of my cut. That would be it. You still mad about that? I mean, we both know I just beat you to the punch. You did break rule number one. What's rule number one? Don't mess with, with Eddie Raja. What can I do to make it up to you, buddy? Maybe you just take your head out a little bit more. Anything else? Nothing's come to mind. Suddenly, both parties start shooting again. Elena steals herself and then runs for the control panel of the crane. She pushes the red lever and the crane springs to life. So now we're in this scene where the boats are flying around, now cables and cranes, and Elena's sort of knocking speedboats out of the way, things like that. And eventually, everything starts to blow up. The, uh, the trawler starts to creak and crack. The pirates continue firing on it. Nath manages to get back on board, grab Elena and jump off the boat as it explodes, taking most of the pirates' uh, boats around it. So another cool little yep. thing. And very similar. It's not shot on action so far, this script. It's really been punching it out. Yeah. I feel it's, yeah. it's so hard as well because I feel like there's so much that you expect from this genre of film and you're trying to pack up so much into such a short space of time, but all of it feels like stuff you've seen before at the same time. And it, yeah. in a video game, you have so much more time to kind of flesh out these stories and, and you know, jump around to so many different locations and, and but still have those moments breathe and spend time there. I think one of the things that I struggled with with the film, you know, as much as I was excited for all the different locations they would visit um, in the new one is it felt like... Mm. They never stayed in one spot for a moment to kind of... To just breathe. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and have like a conversation before they were off to mm. the next place. And it felt like you were just being ping-ponged around, you know, without being able to really take any of it in. And there were so many locations, yet they still found time to put in that Papa John's pizza <laughs> as, as like the weird product placement. <laughs> No, that's 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 impressive. I think Mate, it's right up there with Demolition Man and Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or Adam Sandler and all of his movies and every fast food franchise. This ever. is true. So now um, they're sort of floating in the wreckage, the two of them, and then Eddie's speedboat propeller, sort of cutting into the water like a scythe, comes around the corner, laughing until he catches something out of the corner of his eye. He spins to see a seaplane gliding in for a landing, coming right on top of him. Eddie screams and boom, the seaplane smashes right on top of Eddie's boat, breaking it apart. What the hell was that? That? That was so... Tootie. I can't leave you alone for a minute. Who was the little guy with the big gun? Eddie. Rajar? Really? Could have told me. I'd have made a point to splatter him on my windshield. Oh, but where my man is. Victor Sullivan, at your service. But my friends and lovers call me Sullivan. Now, how do you feel about a Robert De Niro type playing Sully? Do you think he's swarmy enough? 
Yeah, I don't know. That's such a great line to intro yourself, isn't it? My friends are lovers. And lovers. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, I, I try not to get caught up in, in too much of like not letting people interpret the character because, you know, we, we get so fixated on the, the version of it that we know. Um, so, I, yeah, I can totally see a world in which Robert De Niro was, was Sully, but I would want him to be you know, lively and animated enough, which I know he can be because I, did you guys ever see Stardust? Yeah. Yes. Yes. He's the great in that. He, he's so great in that. I feel like if he brought a little Stardust, you know, to the character, I would have been like, yeah, okay. That, I can see it. I can see it. Well, the, the real key with De Niro is getting him to give a shit. Him and Harrison Ford belong Harrison in this. Harrison Ford. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they, they belong in this echelon of 80% of films. They'll do. They'll do them, but they won't try. But then that, that golden 20% of films, you can get them to give a shit. Oh, man. And they're really good. It really shines. So that, yeah. that's the De Niro you need. And to be fair, David O. Russell tends to get that out of him. So maybe we would have got to start. Yeah, yeah. Him. I don't hate it. I don't hate it as a casting choice. It's probably it's probably the one that I that I am the warmest to of, of the names so, you've lifted, listed so far. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So now they're on board the plane. Nate shows Sally the lost journal of Sir Francis Drake. And just like he thought, he faked his own death. Sally motions to Elena. And the girl... Yeah, she's just along for the ride. Sully jumps into the cockpit and the red and white seaplane takes off, flying over the smouldering wreckage into the pristine blue sky. But down on the flotsam, something stirs. A hand appears out of the flotsam. Eddie surfaces. So, Eddie's still there. He's hard to kill, Eddie. He's very hard to kill. (laughs) Um, Now we're in a Colombian fishing village. A single ship is moored there. Journal POV. All three stare down into the camera. What are you waiting for? Give me a sec, okay? This is a huge moment. Give it to me. I'll do it. He always gets like a kid on Christmas morning. I got it. I just wanted to give this moment a little bit of reverence is all. Well, we know one thing about Drake. He had horrible penmanship. January, 1597. The queen had grown impatient as that snake Alvarado continued to slip through my grasp to find retreat on Isla Oculta until he made one mistake. He sent a copy of his map to Spain. And on the 24th of December, we rammed a fast cutter and found the copy on board. Our goal is verified. What we race for is nothing less than the greatest treasure of the new world. And nothing more than the making or undoing of an empire. Well, slap me on my ass and call me Rosie. Hot damn. I knew you were onto something. But Omakwa? You knew I was onto something? You said playing solitaire was more productive than hunting down Sir Francis. That was for your own good. And how the hell was I supposed to know it would lead to Omagua? What exactly is Omagua? It's the last goddamn city of gold. Wait, are you talking about El Dorado? El Dorado, Cibola, Manoa, Omagua? They're all just different names for the same myth. The conquistadors, gold-hungry bastards that they were, were like kids in a candy store when they hit the Americas. See... All these tribes revered gold. They prayed over it, chanted to it, sacrificed for it. Hell, tribal chiefs painted themselves with it. So the Spanish started taking their gold and butchering the tribes. But the legendary Omagua? Nobody ever found it. A city of gold? You actually believe in something that ridiculous. I don't need to. Sir Francis did. Whatever Omagua is, if Sir Francis called it the treasure of a lifetime, 
It's got to be the biggest cache of gold in history. I need to sit down. I need a drink. We need the Vienna Boys Choir singing the Hallelujah Chorus. But we'll have to do with whatever the Dock Master's selling. I wouldn't. We're in Colombia. So? What does that mean? Nothing. Nothing. Just a misunderstanding with a Colombian colonel. Have you met anyone who hasn't wanted to kill you? Let's just say, I don't leave people indifferent. No. I don't suppose you do. <laughs> I'll go get the drinks. Carl, Carl! Stop with the boat already. Let them fire me. It's just a crappy cable show. I am gonna story them this on prime time. Scotch. Sully, we only drink scotch when... A shot to steady the surgeon's hand. No. Not gonna happen. Gotta be done. You know it. I know it. She and I have a deal. Oh. Well, why didn't you tell me? A deal? Wow. Well, that sure changes things. Don't. Not this time. You sweet on her? You bet her? No. Then what is the problem, Nate? She's... Different. You should have seen her fighting, Eddie. The girl's got skills. I really don't think she's a liability. Not a liability? A reporter? Tagging along on the most secret antiquities expedition in human history. Wake up, Nate. This is not your little family tree scrapbook project anymore. We've busted our humps on antique letter openers and pinky rings for too long. This is Omagua. Pizarro? Raleigh? Orellana? Drake? The greatest explorers in history spent their lives trying to get as close as we are now. She deserves better. She does. She deserves our absence from her life. This one's different. So was that broad in Jakarta. And that sweet little thing in Lagos. And I'm not even going to mention Chloe. I'm just saying we both have a soft spot, buddy. But we both know the truth, too. Enlighten me. Love fades, but gold shines on. Are we the bad guys, Sully? There are no bad guys, Nate. No man is his own villain. I am today. No, I don't trust him. Which is why we have to move fast. You gotta find me a fact checker. A good one. Well, you son of a bitch! Yeah, you better run! Carl? Small wrinkle. You know it's not in there, don't you? What? What you're looking for. It can't be. I'm reading Drake's intel on Omagua. I haven't thought about that other thing in years. Uh Uh-huh. Listen to this. I stand convinced that there's more to Omagua than it's gold. A darker secret. A secret that may tell us how an empire of two million could be wiped from the map in the blink of an eye. Is he talking about the Incas? I don't care if he's talking about the Rapture. We got a problem. I've triple-checked every map on this half of the globe. There is no spot on this green earth that matches that map. Bring me the scotch. I sympathize. But maybe we should try and figure it out before we get plastered. Nate takes the whiskey and pours it all over the map. Suddenly, rivers and lakes disappear, replaced with new ones revealed by the booze. I don't believe it. He called the technique a rum map, but... 
I figure any alcohol will do. Let's crank the engine up. Looks like we're going to Peru. I love right. a secret hidden map on a map. <sighs> I feel like we can just go through it. We, should we just call out every cliche in an adventure movie? <laughs> it's, it's very Indiana Jones, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. A, a national treasure, all of them. They're, even like those... Um, Dan Brown books, like all the Robert Langdon ones. Yeah, I feel yeah. like this is all yeah, on that. Yeah, well. and the and the the um the bait and switch and the you led me right to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now they've left Landon behind. Yeah. Um, and now we're going to cut to see what the bad guys are doing. Oh, it's classic, good to check in with the bad guys. Bad guys scene. We're actually at a batting cage, a baseball batting cage. Um. Then we sort of pan in and we see it's Eddie and one of his pirates are sort of tied to the cage and these baseballs are like flying at their faces. We see Gabriel Roman step out of the darkness. Next to him stands Navarro, looking uncomfortable himself. It seems Eddie has let Roman down and doesn't have the map or the key. Roman nods to the pitcher. He hurls another fastball. It catches Eddie in the chest. Snap, we hear a rib break. Eddie coughs, spilling out blood. Roman explains he's a banker, gentlemen, a banker for dangerous people who cannot use any normal bank. The pitcher then throws another ball, but it goes wide. It accidentally hits one of the mercenaries in the head, killing him. Roman then pulls out a pistol and shoots the pitcher in the head. Yeah, classic. <laughs> so it's like that. Yeah, yeah these guys are the bad guy. The, the casual killing of a henchman from a villain yeah. is such an adventure movie cliche yeah, totally. to really establish yeah. that he's crazy. <laughs> We're now back on the boat. Sully and Nate look out from the deck of their boat. Sully is crestfallen. We see what they're gaping at. The huge cosmopolitan city of Lima, Peru. This is going to be hard, even with the rum map. The greatest treasure known to man could be buried under a Starbucks. Nate looks at Sully. Or a Papa John's. Nate looks at Sully. He says, yeah, that's true. Or we've got to break into Frank's museum again. We're now in the Natural History Museum. Ancient tomes line the walls of the museum, uh, sort of archive book collections everywhere. Nate, flashlight in hand, is searching for correspondence from 1597. That's back when Francis Drake was around. Nate and Sully turn to see a tall, red-headed, mature woman in a spotless white business suit. Meet Francesca, or more commonly referred to as Frank. She's flanked by two huge guys. The last thing Nate sees is a massive fist. Nate's POV, Nate's vision clears to find his head immobilised by a wooden board. Nate turns and sees Sally on his knees with a gun to his head. I can't believe you came back, Concha. I told you I would. What's the problem? Turns out, Frank's a little upset. No kidding. Why, Frank? Why? I do show love a man with a sense of humour. It's a pity that you had to cheat me. That who a reporter you showed the museum was nothing but a forgery. So, I told you the first time I walked in here. Half your collections are fakes. But then you went and showed the real base to a private collector, and it seems you neglected to forward me my cut, pendejo. How about I take my cut now? Ah! Whoa! Are you serious? A, a freaking guillotine? Whoa! Whoa! Hold on! Hold on! You wouldn't! Ah, Frank! Oh, you may be a pretty boy, Nate, but I absolutely would. In fact, the only thing stopping me is curiosity. Why would you willingly come back here? 
It's gotta be something big. It's just a little research project. Big, big research project. It's like our, our way to pay you back. Your cut on the old job would have been 10,000? 78,506 dollars. Counting interest. You might have a little problem with your math. Better a math problem than a physics problem. Gravity is not your friend. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. You're lying on the bloody Maria. In her day, she killed more men than cancer. Fine, 78 grand, no problem. What is it that it's worth so much? Kill me, and you never find out. Omagua! Oh, ah! exhibition next week. You should come by. Oh, Magua, it's really true. I'm sorry I didn't believe you. No problem. If I had to deal with people like him, I'd cultivate a healthy distrust myself. No. We had a deal, you son of a bitch. You used me. I, I borrowed you. I trusted you. you. Trusted me? You don't even know me. The problem, darling, is not that we don't believe you is that we do, and yet we look in those blue eyes and want to believe in you anyway. He's quite addictive, isn't he? I would track him down too if I could. How the hell did you find us anyway? You gotta be kidding me. Finding two-timing scumbags? There's enough for that. Now that our happy reunion has occurred, let us begin in returning my hundred and fifty-six thousand dollars. You what? Seventy-eight for the last deal. Seventy-eight for this one. Right. That math's a killer. <laughs> I like that scene. That scene's fun. <laughs> That's the first thing to truly date it. There's an app for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> know. <laughs> That's true, yeah. It would have been an iPhone 4 or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, fun little scene. I still, I feel like from what I'm hearing, this film would have potentially been more enjoyable than the one that we got. Oh. I don't know. Has, has Marky Mark swayed you at all? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it just, no. <laughs> I think it just seems like a, it, it just seems like a more straightforward story. I think there was so much going on mm. in the new one. It was trying so hard that it felt a bit messy and it, yeah. it felt hard for me to kind of latch on to like the journey mm. that they were going on because it, it they would it was so sony and it was so glossy and it was it was mm. flying ships and yeah. it was just like yes I, I understand that they felt like they needed to 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 raise the bar and create an adventure film that people of uh, of this generation with this ex, you know attention span could could follow but <laughs> t- for me it was it was it was too much and this feels like a, a more straightforward classic adventure story and, and maybe that would have been better um so now we're with the whole gang the whole gang's back together in um frank shows nate to her cage room of ancient documents telling him everything she has on amagua and the lost city of gold is in here finally nate sees something something catches his eye he bolts upright he stares closely at the paper in his hand it's a letter from the governor 
a local, Gennaro, was protesting a sea captain and his men digging all hours of the day and night. The governor apologised for the admiral's behaviour in 1597. There were maybe 20 admirals in the Spanish fleet, but in Peru, it must be Drake. The letter from the governor promises the land in question will never again be disturbed. It will become the quietest district in the city. Maybe it's got to be some place really, really quiet in town. Papa John's. <laughs> Not quite Papa John's. No, the graveyard. Yes. They both uh, grin from ear to ear. Sully is now very excited. So now we're going to cut to the cemetery at night. Um, the walls are all lined with coffins as they find this family crypt. Sealed into the thick marble walls, they're sort of walking past, it's all very spooky. In the centre of the room, on a raised dais, is the stone coffin of the patriarch of the family. As they enter, Elena questions Sully about the morality and if this is actually right, disturbing graves. He just uh, tells her the story of uh, a treasure hunt in Sri Lanka gone wrong. Yeah. The Tamil Tigers were bombing the hell out of Jaffna and him and Nate had eight Hindu idols in a stolen tuk-tuk racing for freedom. They clip a dog on their way past and Nate insists we help it. Long story short, Nate took the dog to a vet. They found the idols to the police. They arrested him and for his noble deed, Nate ended up in a Sri Lankan prison for six months. Sally says being soft can get you killed and Elena needs to stop distracting Nate. Yeah, so he's trying to put some distance between them. Um, they arrive in the middle of the crypt. Nate then comes round the corner, pointing to the entrance. They can clearly see the words Guerrero, the same name from the local letter. All eyes turn to the coffin in the centre. Nate moves over to the heavy lid, crouches down and he pushes the stone lid off the coffin. The lid is attached to a chain mechanism that starts spinning. Suddenly, the entire floor of the chamber collapses. The coffin, the stone floor, Nate, Sully, Elena all fall through the cracks and head all the way down, tumbling into the darkness. They land at the foot of a pit and at the mouth of a passageway, Elena finds a bin filled with torches. They're in this massive sort of subterranean temple. Each wall is carved with more of the uh, these sort of... It's basically demons struck like sculptures on all the walls. Each carving seems to be more disturbing than the last. What do they say? You got me. What do you mean, you got me? Did I spend years studying Mesoamerican archaeology? No. I know the money empires, Incan, Mayan, Aztec. And this writing is older than all of them. Beyond that, I would have needed to go to college. Well, why didn't you? Because some old fart told me it was a waste of time. That's always been your problem. You listen to me too much. If you two ladies are done, I think I found something over here. Stone doors, 30 feet high. The doors are covered in ornate carvings depicting a massive golden god atop a dais. Worshippers laying at its feet. Look at that dais. Omagua's a statue. One lousy statue. We went through all of this for- Sully, look at the scale. That thing's gotta be- 80 tons, minimum. This must be the high priest. He's the only one not bowing to Omagua. They're not bowing. They're dying. Creepy. Why would someone go to all this trouble if there wasn't something to this curse story? You don't get it. Curses. Warnings. They're the best friends we never had. They keep buried treasure buried. Ain't no curse that isn't a blessing to us. Come on, help me open these doors. 
empty. What? I don't. Damn it! Conquistadors. I suppose it's too much to hope they left a note saying they took the thing. Nate spots something nearby an anchor. Actually, they may have done better than that. He lifts his torch higher, revealing the anchor is still attached to a Spanish galleon lodged a hundred feet up on the wall. Now that's something you don't see every day. I don't know. See that standing water? I think this used to be a cave system, probably led right out to the sea. And a cave-in stranded the ship here? The Marquez. Why do I know that name? We gotta find the captain's quarters. Okay, so they found the Marquez. Yes, the name okay. of the ship that's in inside a catacomb, catacombs underneath a graveyard in a giant cave system. I've got another tick for our list. Uh, the female character called both the male characters ladies to pull a bit of light. <laughs> it's a classic. <laughs> That's right. What do we think of the spookiness? We've ramped up the spookiness now. We've got mm. demons in the, the graveyard and underground. underground. Some worshipping going on there yeah. to a big big idol. Yeah. I feel like also the, the kind of alluding to the supernatural as well, the idea of the curse and it could still be real. That was something that was always consistent within the Tomb Raider games, you know, she was a, she was an adventurer and, a, and an, an archaeologist, but, you know, there was always something to the, the curse or the, or the legend that, that was real that, that kind of made it quite exciting. So we are now on this Spanish galleon. The guys have climbed up. Elena pulls out her trusty camcorder from her backpack. They explore the ship and they find themselves in the captain's quarters, untouched for 400 years. At the captain's desk, Nate discovers the mother load. Maps, charts. Elena films over his shoulder as he examines them all. Nate stops flipping through the maps. His finger stops on a single point in the middle of the southern Pacific Ocean. Isla Alcolta. That is where they took the gold. It says it right here. Nate and Elena look down into the cavern below. Nate's POV. Sully on his knees, hands on his head. Navarro stands over him. Gun to Sully's head. Surrounding him are dozens of thugs. Things just got a bit more complicated. <laughs> well, we've come to the end of part one of our cancelled movie report on David O. Russell's Uncharted movie. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and we would love it if you could subscribe, be it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you like to listen. That's what really helped us get discovered in the charts. It would also be terrific if you could leave us a five-star review, just like the one that Eden's about to read. Goat. Five stars. Oh. Absolutely love everything about this podcast. Movies that never saw the light of day always have been an interest of mine, and these guys are helping that interest a lot with their in-depth knowledge and all-round great podcasting skills. That was from Kingberry168. Thank you, Kingberry. Kingberry, he's always been a favourite of ours. We talk about him often. <laughs> all-round great podcasting and skills is, is such a great compliment. <laughs> but also very, also very generic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All-around, you know, great podcasting <laughs> skills. <laughs> If you do want to support us like King Barry does, you can also join our Patreon where we have a bonus podcast called Casting Calls mm. where we take famous actors that were nearly cast in iconic roles and then we insert them back into those movies. What do you think of the movie and have we missed anything? We'd love to hear from you. You can always get in touch with us via cancelmovies at gmail.com or at cancelmovies on all of the socials. Steph, thank you so much for joining us here in part one. Uh, you, you're going to have to come back next week and hear how this ends, right? Are you hooked yet? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, great. Well, I am Michael Campbell. I've hosted and edited this episode, and Eden Porter was my co-host as well. Thank you, Camo. And we both produced the show. 
We need to give a shout out to our amazing voice cast, which included Cameron Logsdon as Nathan Drake, Ashana Sheth as Elena, Ryan Lee as Sully, Latin VO as Frank, and David Collyrule as Eddie. Ah, but keep listening next week to hear how this all ends. If you want a little sneak peek, though, here's a clip. God, you don't know how to fly a plane? Of course I do. Anyone can fly a plane. Are you insane? No, they can't. There's some jobs you can bluff your way through, but pilot isn't one of them. Wait, you told me you were a naval aviator. Mostly true. How? How is that mostly true? Flying over the ocean, aren't we? What is that? I'm working on it. But until then, take care.